Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Can we just pray? We're going to pray. Um, yeah, so Jesus, we do, we do need you. We need you. you. You are the vital thing in life for everything that we do, all of life from parenting to wifing or husbanding or relationing, whatever, all of the relationships, all of work life, um, everything that we have comes from you. Every good and perfect gift comes from you to us, into our lives. And uh, Jesus, you are the best of all of the gifts, your gift of salvation to us, your willingness to go the cross and die. You were raised again for us, for our life, that we could be born again through the Spirit of God. And now, now because of that, the Spirit of God resides on the inside of us. We, we, everything that we have is because of you. And we just this morning say thank you, thank you, thank you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, God. Amen. Amen. So that's it, right? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Good and perfect gifts. He's good. He gives good gifts. Don't confuse what we might see in culture with good. (laughs) God only does good. He only does good. Uh, Actually, I'm going to start here. I begin with my... Here again, I just need someone else, like, extra hands. <laughs> so, I'm fine. Yeah. It's just the ongoing funny thing that never gets fixed for me, that it's my own fault. <laughs> um, open up to Matthew 21. Ah, oh, you rock. Thanks. Thanks. I actually had like two tables last week, <laughs> so, so thank you. You noticed and went, she needs something else, thanks. <laughs> um, th- oh, no, no, right, thanks. Um, so if you've got your Bibles open, I'm reading from the NIV. So just from 21, and, and I know that quite a few of you will know this scripture. Okay, I'm going to talk about it today, a little bit different to maybe what you've heard before. So from verse 12, this is Jesus at the temple. So Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, the chief priests and the leaders, they were indignant. Jesus said, do you hear what these children are saying? They asked, sorry, the leaders, the chief priests and the leaders, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never heard it read? For the lips, from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. So I'm going to be using that portion of scripture as the main portion I'm using today. Now, I want to also 
to say about that. It's about prayer and it's about worship and it's about filling the temple with prayer and worship. Um, before we planted this church, two things that the Lord had said to me very, very clearly, and we talk about it all the time and we'll not stop. So I won't, I'm not even apologizing for, for repeating it. It's got to be repeated again and again and again. The two things that he really said to me at the beginning was, guard the place of prayer and protect the place of worship. Those two things. He said, if, do that and don't stop. Just guard the place of prayer and protect the place of worship constantly. Oversee, watch with a, with a very loving, careful eye, right? Guard, guard the, uh, protect the place, uh, guard the place of, <laughs> I should repeat it myself to myself a little bit more. <laughs> so, yeah, guard the place of prayer and protect the place of worship because they're the two things that, the quickest of anything that gets kicked out of a person's life or gets kicked out of a church or stops when a ministry gets started and a lot of success comes, a lot of the busyness starts. And now, now what, what was the beginning and in the foundation, hopefully, uh, gets kind of pushed to the side because we start to value other things, the success and the busyness and the things that we think leads to more success, right? And not realizing the whole purpose of what we do every single day is out of our relationship with God and our communication with God is dependent upon that. Our communication with God is all of our prayer and all of our worship. We don't really try and separate the two things because we are, last week I was talking about, we are worshippers, right? And so every breath, breathe back in praise to him. Every breath, breathe back in prayer to him. This is how we're supposed to live as believers in Christ Jesus, right? And so those two things can never be something that we set aside. I'm aware that sometimes we might because we just get a little busy and forgetful, but it's when we remember, we can quickly go, I'm sorry, Lord, and get right back to that place of just intimate, intimate, um, passionate relationship again with him, right? It is the purpose we were created. Above anything else is to be his friend. Like, it's the greatest gift, The greatest gift is to be his friend and every single one of you, all of us, are invited into this relationship with him. There's no greater privilege for the human being. We're created in his image, but there's no greater gift, there's no greater privilege than for you to say, my best friend is Jesus Christ and he's made himself known to me and continues to make himself known to me daily, right? That is the thing that we live for. It is the only thing in life that really is going to matter from here into heaven because he said on the day when people do go into heaven and they say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And he'll say, away from me, I never knew you, to some people. And those people are the ones that have just been doing things in his name but never knew him, never prayed, never really worshipped, never really understood what it meant to be someone who just lives with this intimate relationship every day. Away from me, I never knew you. You weren't my friend. And, and it's actually really heartbreaking to me because I've been in church all my life and I know people who live there. And so we will keep teaching and talking about this very thing because it doesn't matter what you do in life, work-wise, career-wise, bank accounts, big houses, multiple cars, ministry life, successful, massive ministry. There's people running some big ministries who, who Jesus might say, away from me. I never knew you. And that's really heartbreaking. And I'll even say some of those people still lead people to Jesus because God is bigger than our mistakes. God is bigger than our mess-ups. God is sovereign and still will use people. But every single individual, the one thing 
on the way into heaven. I'm your friend. I get to be here, Jesus, because I'm your friend. Right? Yeah, so I'm going to read this, if I can find it in my notes, sorry. Bookmarked it to get there quickly. <sighs> Not that one. <laughs> so while I find my place, sorry. <laughs> that was elevator music in case people... <laughs> Some people were laughing, they get it. Other people are like, what is she doing? So it's elevator music. You're just waiting with nothing to do, listening to that elevator song. <laughs> Going up ten floors. Okay, bring it back. <laughs> so I went um, January 2020, before any COVID stuff broke, right? We were hearing little whispers from China, but before any, any we weren't aware of it in America at all. January 2020... Um, uh, I was going to bed at midnight and the Lord said, just break out your notepad, this, you know, a journal, and I encourage you, write down the things the Holy Spirit's telling you. Write them down. He will build a track record with you of prophetic words for your life, for, to, for your own leading, your own guiding, but also for your family, for your work life, for your church life. For He'll give you prophetic words that way. You'll just learn to get from him. And when you steward it because you're writing it down and go back and read it, you learn how to get more. It builds faith for more, Right? So, write stuff down. Okay, January 20, um, 2020, at midnight, the Lord said this. And this has to do with our prayer and our worship, okay? It's not to the weak I give my kingdom, but to those spiritually strong in me. A man, or a woman, a man can be mentally and physically strong, up for any task, but in the spiritual realm, with this self-dependence, he is weak and unfit to serve in my kingdom. The Lord said that as midnight. I was like, that's a strong word, God. <laughs> it is a strong word, right? I'm going to say it again. Uh, depending on self, in, in the spiritual realm, with self-dependence, a person with that self-dependence is weak and unfit to serve in the kingdom. And then he said, hang on. That's why you've all got to watch me. Then he said this, um, are you listening to me? What happens when someone is unfit for service in the army or any kind of the military branches? He, he asked me that. Um, and then I, I knew, but he, he, got, he said, they are discharged without hesitation because they are a liability to the people they fight with. Who's in the military? We've got a lot of military people. You get this, right? You, there's a liability with a person who suddenly found themselves weak and unable to fight next to you. They're discharged. So they're discharged without hesitation because they are a liability. But in the spirit realm, it is much worse. This is the leaven that spoils the whole batch. Self-dependence without prayer, without worship, self-dependence is the leaven in the kingdom of God and in the church that ruins the whole batch that Jesus was warning us about, right? said, unfit for duty. Oh, actually, I'll read this. People, this is from God, right? Same, same word. People must live with full dependence on the Holy Spirit. Ministry outside of him, it's depending on ourselves, is weak and it weakens the body of Christ. That's, a, that's strong, right? But it's true. 
And so even when he speaks strong words like that, we've got to be able to listen. We've got to be able to say, yeah, I want my life to come into line with what you're saying, God, because I don't want my life to be someone that adds wrong leaven, hypocrisy, right? It's really hypocrisy. If I stand in front of you as someone who doesn't pray, if I stand in front of you as someone who's not got the words from the Lord and then say that I do and then speak it and preach it as if I do, I'm standing here as a hypocrite. And that weakens the body of Christ. God doesn't want that in the church at all. So I'm going to read back, that, back to that scripture, the Matthew 21 scripture. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling. He overturned the tables of money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, Jesus said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what the children are saying? They asked him. And Jesus replied, Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth praise? And he left them, Jesus left them, and went out to the city at Bethany where he spent the night. So Jesus was... um, Jesus walked into... this This was right before the triumphal entry. He walked into Jerusalem on the donkey cult, not on a great big stallion, a tiny little donkey cult, cheap burden of beast animal. Beast of burden, what did I say back the front? <laughs> burden beast, <laughs> sorry. Beast of burden, beast of burden. But you, you know what I meant. <laughs> um, he, he, even, even the animal that he walked into Jerusalem with was just a tiny beast of burden. Did I say? Be, just a tiny little donkey cult. I'll stick with that. <laughs> the tiny little donkey cult. Like even, so Jesus, was, Jesus didn't assert, right? He chose the path of humility. And people lay down their coats and, and their cl- anything that was covering them and created like a road, like a carpet, like you would for a king, right? And lay down palm branches for his triumphal entry because it was the Passover week. And he was walking into Jerusalem and the city was in uproar. You can read the this, this verses up and down around the text I've just read. The city was in uproar. Who's this man? And some were saying, he's the prophet from Nazareth. They didn't actually, people who said that didn't realize he was the Messiah. Other people when he went into the temple, was saying, he's the son of David. That statement, those people knew he was the now the coming king, the Messiah, right? So you have all kinds of people in the crowd, some who didn't know who he was and were just wondering what the uproar was, others saying, oh, he's some prophet, and then others saying, no, he is. He is who's been sent to save us. It was the children who were saying, Hosanna, this in the scripture I read, Hosanna, which means, God, save me. The children's lips were the ones saying, crying out, Hosanna to the king, Hosanna to the king, Comes, he's come to save me. It was the children. They got it quicker than a lot of the adults in the, in the temple area. I want to explain the temple area. Picture a football field, an American football field. What's that? 1.3 something acres. I don't know. Someone should wave if they know that. I'm, I'm not American. <laughs> but the, the temple was about 33, 34 acres. Oh, sorry, uh, yeah, acres, and then which is about 29 football fields. 29 football fields is the whole of the temple ground, right? Inside the city is the, is the temple, the whole temple grounds itself. 
29 football fields wide. It was a big, big, wide open plaza. On that plaza was like many, like high, high walls all the way around it with porticos and people could hang out in the shade or they could hang out in the main open plaza area. But in that open area, in those courts, were all of the money changers and people who were selling sacrifices. People, there's a sacrificial system in place to get to God, to have your sin removed you had to sacrifice animals. And so people sell sacrifices in the temple court area and you could buy anything that you needed. But Jesus was saying here, you've turned what was meant for worship into a place of commercial, like commerce and trade. You squeezed out the worship and you've squeezed out the, the, pray, the, pray, the prayer to be making your money. And you've made this place a place of trade of commerce, commercial interest became bigger than the actual worship interest, right? And so Jesus ran through that place and it was not pretty. There's other, you can read it in other portions of scripture. He overturned tables. He had a whip that he was beating people with. <laughs> and people go, Jesus is so kind and loving. Yes, he is. <laughs> but there's also times when he deals really strongly. He deals with leadership and corruption, someone said, he deals with corruption head on and he is not afraid and he will beat it down. Where Our job is to know what we're to do each moment in any day that it might come into our world, right? Soft and loving Jesus unless we're confronted with something that needs to be confronted with and then it's not like we go around with a whip whipping people. <laughs> that would be, you know, that'll get you in jail and it should. <laughs> but um, deal quickly with corruption, lies. Anything that's against God's justice, anything that's against love is sin. So deal with the things that are sinful and, and causing oppression on people. That's what we're here for, right? So understand that side of Jesus. It's a strong side of Jesus that a lot of people don't want to talk about too much. They don't like us because it sounds like we're getting political. I'm like, no, we're just telling the truth. Let's not call truth politic political. Tell the truth and don't stop telling the truth because it's only when a person receives it into their life can they really walk up and be free of what was holding them back, right? Okay, where am I? So the temple courts, 33 acres, like about 29 football fields, big, massive space, and it had like little um, smaller... Uh, sections within it it got there was like circles and eventually like there was the outer courts the inner courts and there's the holy place and then the holy of holy and each of those places had walls all the way through them our life is built like the temple we have an outer flesh body right and then you just slowly get in further we have a soul but then inside us again is our spirit and that's where the holy spirit resides with us in us our lives are like that temple so 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17 from the NIV again says whoever is united with the Lord is one in him with spirit verse 19 says do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit so what was happening there is before the new covenant happened before the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh, before we were made new creations in Christ. That, that, that's a picture. The Old Testament temple is the picture of our lives now. Do you understand? We've become the temple. I individually, you individually are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And collectively together, we are also joined together as one large, very large temple. Okay? 
body of Christ. Okay, but as the temple, I want you to now read with me the text I've been reading as our heart is the house of prayer. And this is my message title, which I didn't tell you earlier because I had to set it up. (laughs) So, So Jesus went through the temple courts, breaking down everything that was wrong and purifying it. And that was, the, that was the, the Old Testament temple, right? But our lives are the same way. Our lives are to be just like that temple. So now I'm going to read that same portion of Scripture and verse by verse go through it. Think about this in relation to your heart and to your life, okay? So from verse 12, this is the first point about verse 12. Jesus cleansed the temple. He caused the temple to become a house of purity, Jesus cleanses your life. He causes your life to become a life of purity and it fully washes away, fully cleans you, fully removes anything from you that is, um, that would be uh, against love, right? Sin is anything against love. Jesus comes to wash all of that away and wash all of that impurity away and cleanse you fully from it. You've been given a new heart There's an old piece of theology that says that uh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Like, no, you were a sinner. Once you were saved by grace, you've been now made a new creation in Christ. The old has gone. The new has come. You're fully a new man. We can't afford to identify with that old man because if we do, our focus is the old stuff. Our focus becomes what you focus on, you become you get more of, in fact, John, uh, uh, what, uh, Mark chapter 4, 9, 4. <laughs> One of those chapters <laughs> says, pay close attention to what you, you're looking at. For what you pay attention to, you get more of. So if you focus on that old man and that old life, you're actually traveling to it. But if you go, I'm a new man, I'm created in the image of Christ. I've been purified by his blood, washed clean, fully clean. All shame is removed. All shame is removed. Any failure from the past does not get brought into my future. Now, I can really focus on Jesus and then I'm becoming more like him. (laughs) It's about what you focus on, right? So a new creation in Christ, given a new heart to know him and respond to him, to be filled by his spirit and to be changed, to be made more like him, right? So Jesus walked through the temple cleansing it, and he does that in our lives. Now, um, I want to explain it like this. So he's turning up the money changes and the benches, and he's, he's kicking over like um, uh, they, were, they had cages with doves and, and, you know, little pens with animals and whatever they, whatever they could contain their animals in. He's, he's if, you, if you can understand, there's... In, in the period when he was alive, the, they say there's a, there was between 50 to 70,000 pe- people living in Jerusalem. But this was Passover week, and at Passover week, easily double the population just swelled into Jerusalem because it was everybody pilgrimaged to Jerusalem for Passover. So the city is bustling and full, and, and like double the population that they normally have. And then in the temple courts everywhere, people are buying and selling, and there's all kinds of animals, and they make poop. <laughs> and noise and they've got hay and you know they've got food for the animals water for the animals, water troughs 
the temple court area, the outer plaza area, would have been full of people and all kinds of animals. So if a man went walking through that, overturning tables, kicking over money changers' tables, opening pens and letting animals loose, you can understand the ruckus. <laughs> I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of animals, not hundreds of thousands, thousands of animals would have been let loose. People scrambling to pick money up. There's, I don't know, can't talk about BLM riots. <laughs> like, it would have been a real riotous situation happening. I'm trying to set you up a picture with this, right? Now, now relate this to our heart, if you will, right? Because I'm talking about our heart as a temple. When Jesus moves in, we have two choices. Let go. Repent, let him cleanse us, and all that stuff is pulled out really easy, right? The other choice is hard-hearted, no, unbelief, I don't know if I believe that, no, don't pull that away from me yet, Jesus, I love that too much. Ruckus inside me, animals, (laughs) animal-like manifestations sometimes of demons because I won't let go of stuff. I'm painting a picture are you, are you following the picture of my internal world? If I won't allow his cleansing and I won't just surrender, because the surrender process is, is, a, is, a, is a, an incredible walk into freedom in the Lord. And it's beautiful, but it's also brutal. <laughs> so I call it brutiful. <laughs> so, <laughs> brutiful revival. <laughs> beautiful and brutal. The brutal part is we come face to face with who we are. We come face to face with the stuff that of my past or the stuff that I did just yesterday or even this morning that Jesus just wants to pull out of me. And I can have the two choices. The two choices, one is a really quick, yes, Lord, pull it out because I don't want it. I want more of you. Or no, I really like that. Or, or mm, Uh, you've heard of um, a stronghold, strongholds in our minds, strongholds in our thinking. Sometimes if you run into a person's stronghold, a boundary, and you you see a big rage happen, really like a manifestation of rage happen really quickly, you've run into a temple that hasn't let go of a few things. <laughs> there's a few animals running loose. A few tables have been kicked over and there's a bit of a ruckus. So every single one of us in this room have the choice in our heart to just say, I want it all gone. Jesus, pull everything out of me that you don't want there. And that's the way he purifies and cleanses us. And it's an ongoing process. It's not like you once done. It's like all of our life just to have a soft heart before him that just says, I want you to have your way every day. I want you to just purify me. And if, if, whenever, whenever you want to just deal with something in my life, have your way. And his timing is perfect. He won't, he won't deal with things in us that we're not ready to handle. I've been in church all my life. I'm 51 and he's still dealing with me on stuff, right? So it's not like none of us are perfect. We're just following the perfect one. Jesus is the perfect one. We're following him. Our focus is on him. Our yes from last week, our yes is to him. A yes is to following him. A yes is to everything he asks us to do. Hear and obey. Hear and obey his voice, right? So, Jesus cleansed the temple, but our lives are what he wants to cleanse now. Right, two. From verse 13, it says, It is written, 
Jesus said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Now he was quoting, I have another drink. I'm so sorry. Just for your, just a little FYI, I chew gum when I lead worship. (laughs) So so I don't have to keep doing that. For real, it helps. I know some people are like, what do you chew gum when you're leading worship or singing? So so I don't have to keep guzzling water. Anyway, no one needs to ask me that question anymore, right? (laughs) It's all right. Anyway, my house would be called a house of prayer. He wants our lives to be called houses of prayer, our heart to be a house for his prayer. Here's what I love in Isaiah 56 verse 7, and Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 11. He's, he's using um, scriptures in this little portion to answer the men that are saying, why are you doing this in our temple? He's using Isaiah 56 and Jeremiah 7. Please look those up yourself for time. I'm trying to cut stuff down because we're all the kids in, right? Look up that. Look up Isaiah 56, Jeremiah 7, and connect it back here to this Matthew 21 text. He's quoting them because in both of those chapters, um, he goes down through a list of a few things about what was happening in the church then, which was Israel, right? But uh, uh, lead church leaders who were using money, uh, sorry, using the church as a means to make money, using the people and oppressing the people and not being faithful for God to lead the people and not being faithful even in front of the people when they said, as I said earlier, oh, I've got a word from the Lord, but they really didn't have a word from the Lord. They, didn't, they weren't even praying. They just had something from their own head or heart, their own ideas and their own things that they were running with rather than something from the Lord. Does that make sense? So in Isaiah 56 and Jeremiah 7, he said the same thing. You're making it a den of robbers. I'm using this scripture so you understand the church has not changed from Isaiah. That was like 500 years before Jesus came, right? So 500 years to, to Jesus' time to today, 2,000 years after that again. The church, we are human. Nothing much changes. We still struggle with the same struggles, but we still have the same King Jesus, and he is the one who's good, who we keep all of our focus on in the first place right? Focus on him. Allow him to be the one pulling stuff out of us. He does good in our life when that happens, right? So he made the prophetic pronouncement, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The religious people heard that and got so stirred up that within less than a week was when they executed him on the cross. At the prophetic pronouncement, my house will be called a house of prayer. They were indignant, the Bible says, in a few verses down. The indignant, what's indignant? Indignant is like anger, irrational even anger. Irrational, like uh, misunderstanding that makes you angry at something. That is a ruckus going on inside that religious leader that caused that indignance. I don't know that that's a word. I just made that one up. <laughs> Indignance. Just saying. Just <laughs> it is a word. Teacher. She's a teacher. She's just saying it's a word. <laughs> Claim it. <laughs> well, indignant. Do you understand? So the religious, the religious people were watching what Jesus was doing, and they were indignant. They were mad. 
He had been doing something and saying something, the prophetic pronouncement, my house will be called a house of prayer. And it was the religious people who got mad at that. Jesus had run into their strongholds. Jesus had exposed their strongholds because they got so mad and irrationally and then killed him a few days later. So, three, verse 14. From saying, my house will become a house of prayer, the next thing that happened was people came to him and they were healed. Verse 14 says, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. So the prophetic pronouncement, my house will be called a house of prayer, to now we heal people. Because now power comes through prayer. Power does not come to us through any other way other than through our ability to sit with the Lord and know Him and worship Him and spend time with Him and become intimately acquainted with Him. That's where the true anointing happens. People can walk around the church world with all kinds of gifts and they look amazing and wonderful, musical talent and all the rest. It can look amazing. We can be impressed if we don't use discernment, right? But, but true spiritual power is what was happening here because the blind people and the lame people came to him in the temple. Here's what's special about that. They were not allowed to be there. Within the, within the, um, the Torah teachings, which is the first five books of the Bible, the Torah or the Pentateuch, within those first five books lays out laws for people with blemishes, which are blind and lame, limbs that don't work. They weren't allowed in the presence of God. So the second temple which is what we're talking about now at the temple period, the, Ju- the, the Judaizers, who were just the religious leaders at the time, ramped up what was the Torah teachings and they added a whole lot more other laws, like hundreds of other laws, including now the blind and the lame cannot even come onto the temple court premises. They were banned, but they saw the ruckus that Jesus was causing and went, I'm going to follow that man. <laughs> Because they knew what real power was. They saw real power happening and they saw the power was upsetting the, the religious power structure, which is a false, false structure, still has power, but it's different. And it was upsetting that power structure to the point where they went, I know he'll heal me because that's real power. The same thing happens in our life, by the way. We, when we are people who will pray, understand we're cleansed, and then pray. Our life becomes transformed by Christ. We get filled with more of the Holy Spirit. The more, the more we let him pull out my old self, the more Holy Spirit he can pour into me because we're a vessel. If the vessel's full of junk, there's only so much other stuff that can be poured into it, right? But if I allow him to pull all the stuff out, then there's more Holy Spirit that can fit in me. Really, it's that simple. So, temple in from verse 14 the blind and the lame came to him and they healed him that he Jesus healed them so because his own life was a life of prayer and a life of power as a human man by the way he lived without pushing the divinity button he did everything he did all of the healings all of the preaching was under the power of the Holy Spirit right he did that to demonstrate how we should do that we are supposed to be in the same ministry he did all of it all of it our lives should look like that We've got to stay on our knees till it, till it does, <laughs> right? Stay on our knees until it does. So it's amazing to me to think that those blind and those lame people were bold enough to just go, oh, I know, he's caused such a ruckus here. Now I can go, out, I can go onto that temple court because 
that's the one I know who's going to heal me. And so they pushed past all the religious barriers. They pushed past all of the social barriers and just went right to the man, Jesus. Right? That's what, that's what this does. It's true, true prayer is going to go right to the man, Jesus. No games. No games. We don't need to play games. Even with church, we don't need to play games. It's straight to Jesus. That's why worship here will be long. We, we do worship and we stay in that place of worship because we don't want to just push off to the next thing. Worship is what we were doing in heaven last week. It's that we are worshippers as the core, most important part of our identity is as worshippers. And so when we understand that, we can stand longer and engage our heart longer. Even if I'm doing it with kids, like I just appreciate, seriously, that mums will still come and have their kids back there. Like, good on you. Because you understand that it's better for the child to be in the presence of God, experiencing the glory atmosphere, right, than to be at home because you think that they're noisy or too hard to get out the door. Like, I know it's hard to get out the door. I had three of my own. Like, I, I get that. But the, the faithfulness to get up and do it anyway is what really brings great change in you as the parent, but also for the foundation that you lay for your children. Anyway. Four. What time is it? Because I said I'd go short. So, to four. Um, verse 15. The chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did. And the children shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they were indignant. I've already talked about the indignant part, but I want to, and I've already also talked about the Hosanna part. The Hosanna is, God, save me, save me. That's what Hosanna means, just in the Greek. Save me. So they're shouting to Jesus because they recognize, oh, he's, he's life. He's the son of David. He's the soon coming king. He's here now with us. He's the anointed Messiah, the, right? And so, so children, and this is what Jesus said to the mad religious leaders. Do you hear what these children are saying? Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, Lord, you have called forth your praise? Now he's quoting Psalm 8 verse 2 and it says in Psalm 8 verse 2 it calls praise strength, but I'm going to read it from Psalm 8 2. Through the praise of infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Who's the foe and the avenger? The enemy, the devil, the devil and his minions, his demon hordes. They are the foes. They are the avengers. We, but Jesus says children, right? We have been given the ability to silence the foe and the avenger when we just give ourselves to praise, to worship. And that is what Jesus calls our strength. So if I go back to the beginning when I talked to you about what true spiritual strength is, and Jesus said what is true spiritual strength is complete dependence on the Holy Spirit and through praise and through prayer is how we get there. Right? The word that I gave from January 2020, the Lord said no human dependence, right? And we push the human dependence aside and the pride on human dependence aside by being people who push into prayer and to worship. So the Greek word for prayer is proslokume, is one of them, is a few, but that's the one that's used the most in the Greek. And what it means is I lay aside my wishes and my will and all of my agendas to pick up his. That's why people avoid it. <laughs> Think about that. If the, if the meaning of prayer is to lay aside my will and my wishes and my agenda and to pick up his, if I avoid that, then I don't have to lay aside my own agenda. That's a strong one, right? 
But it's right there in the Bible, so I've got to teach it, preach it, right? So, so, so by, by, by being willing to just go and sit with the Lord again and again and again and again and again, you literally are laying aside your own uh, desires. But in his faithfulness, you will then discover the very desires that you thought you were laying aside were put in you by him for him to accomplish through your life in the first place. Right? And so, and so that willingness to just come before him again and again and just sit with him and allow him to speak to your heart and speak back to his heart and develop this intimate relationship, you discover his heart and what he had in his heart was the things that he's wired into yours for you to get up and do in the earth. And that is the far greater place of contentment and peace and joy and then also anointing, empowerment from the Holy Spirit to get up and do everything he's asked you to do. Right? Because you've laid aside your own agenda, the self-dependencies and the human pride. And the good ideas, as good as all of them are, we're full of good ideas. Human ingenuity. We build skyscrapers. We build airplanes. We send people to the moon. So it's not like, it's not like humans aren't good. It's not like we don't come up with great ideas. It's that we lay aside ourselves and we put the stuff aside so that we can engage our heart with his heart and really catch his heart for us. And then when we do that, we flow with him and run with him in a way that, that it, your life will never be the same and your life will be a thousand times better than if you just did it on your own. More than a thousand times better. It's just God is who fulfills our life. God is who, who, who put his, why we have contentment and peace in our heart is because he's in our life in the first place, okay? All right. So the last one, verse five. Sorry, point five, just on the scripture. But it's verse 17. This is the end of it, right? After he's said, after he said, the lips of infants you've called forth praise. He then, he then left the temple, left the temple, left Jerusalem and went back to Bethany. It says he left them and went out of the Sydney city to Bethany where he spent the night. Bethany was his home. Um, he, Mary, Martha and Lazarus, that was their house. And it was their friends. Jesus went out of the city at night. He'd go into Jerusalem all those days when he was four days staying in Bethany. He'd go in every day to Jerusalem, but he'd go back to the place of rest. Bethany was the place of home and friends and rest. Understand this. We've been called into the rest of Christ, the Sabbath rest of Christ. We only get there through, through our praise and through our worship and through our intimate relationship with him. The Mary and Martha story, Mary was busy in the kitchen. Sorry, Martha was busy in the kitchen complaining that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's the same Mary and Martha, by the way, the Bethany sisters. And, and, and Martha said, Jesus, Jesus, won't you tell my sister to come help me cook the meal? And Jesus is like, she's chosen the better thing to just sit and rest at my feet. Right? The rest is the place of prayer and worship and sitting with the Lord. Or going. I like to walk, so I go for long walks with the Lord and, and let him speak to your heart. Maybe, maybe it's... I love this too. Maybe some other people are in like this is like this river behind our house. So just sit there on a dock sometimes and just sit and the peaceful calm of the water watching, watching the water just move as it does, you know, or the sunlight catching it. The rest 
and just enjoy space and time and peace in him. Part of that is our praise. Part of that is our worship. It's in that place of rest in him that we can get up and do everything that we've got to do. All of the strength we, we, can, we can have as believers has got to be through our relationship with him. So learn what the rest of God is, the rest to rest in Jesus, the rest of God. It's the praise, it's the worship. I'm going to break out this word again and finish real quick. So we understand It's not to the weak I give my kingdom, but to those spiritually strong in me. Is the rest, the worship, the praise, the sitting, the willingness to sit when you don't feel like it. The willingness to just worship and lift your voice when you don't feel like it, but you're going to do it anyway because he's worth it. It's not to the weak I give my kingdom, but to those spiritually strong in me. A man can be mentally and physically strong up for any task, but in the spiritual, with self-dependence, he is weak and unfit to serve in my kingdom. Are you listening to me? What happens when someone is unfit for service in the army? Actually, I'm going to skip that part. You, You get that part. This is the last part. People must live with full dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Ministry outside of him... Depending on ourselves is weak and weakens the body. It has a leavening effect on the body. It's the weak, the weak, when we think we're striving and we think we're getting up and doing something, but it's in our own strength or upon our own ideas with outside of what God might have instructed to us. God calls that weak. So he's saying it weakens the body. It weakens my life as well. It weakens any person that comes into my world. My own family is weakened by it, right? So it's not just the body of Christ as a whole, very generally, anything I touch, anything you touch, becomes just weak and affected by this hypocritical self-dependence, yet we call ourselves Christians, but we haven't taken the time to just find out who Jesus is. Find out who he is. Find out who the lover of your soul is. He is the lover of your soul. He will never let you down. He will never let go of you. His love is relentlessly after you every single day of your life. He will not stop pursuing your heart. Whether you, whether you really love him or your, your love for him has grown a little bit cold, doesn't even matter. He's going to be pursuing your heart for the rest of your life. He's good. He's faithful. He's faithful to do that. He knows what you need better than you know what you need. So the surrender is a really good thing to do. The surrender to his heart, the surrender to his loving you, to his healing you. A lot of healing has got to go in a lot of us. On in a, a lot of healing has got to go on in the inside of a lot of us. Because sometimes without the healing, we can't even position in our heart in a place to even receive his love and his healing. We struggle with, he can't love me like that. I hear what they talk about, but he can't love me like that. They don't know what I've done. They don't know what I was doing last week. They don't know what I did 10 years ago. He does. And he says, if you'll just surrender it to me, I'll remove it as far as the east is from the west. (laughs) He does not care. What he wants is your heart. He wants the complete surrender of your heart. And the minute you step up and say, I surrender everything, use me, he will. And let that be every day. Use me today. Get up and use me today. Use me today, today, the next day. I pray this, and I say this a lot because I, I, I want you guys to pray it. I've been praying for about 25 years 
almost every day for 25 years, I want to fall more in love with you today than I was yesterday. <laughs> so, it sounds childish. I don't care. Because literally, he wants to answer that prayer. <laughs> My heart is in line with a prayer that he wants to answer. He wants the best of our heart and the best of our passion, the best of our emotion, the best of our life given to him. He wants that. So if I'm praying those prayers, if you're praying those prayers, he's going to make that happen in your life. Right? I know surrender is not always easy. Because sometimes the surrender someone, you know, God might be asking you for is causing a ruckus on the inside. Like those animals and the tables being turned over in the temple courts. Right? There can be a ruckus. I know there can be a ruckus going on. But surrender is the most beautiful place. Because the minute you give it up and the minute you give up, the ruckus will be quieted as the Lord moves in. I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads. I'm going to do two, I'm going to do two things that people can respond to. Right? The first thing is this. If you know you need to give your life to Jesus, maybe for the first time, give your life to Jesus for the first time, or like a recommitment, you have allowed that love to grow cold. You have allowed stuff to creep in in a way that's tanked your heart, tanked your spiritual relationship with him. I'm going to ask you, you have an opportunity right now to surrender that to the Lord, to confess it to him, surrender it to him, and give it up, and allow the love of your soul to come in again, right? So I'm going to ask you in the room, can you lift your hand up if that's you? Surrender is the most beautiful place to live. Surrender is the place of incredible spiritual relationship. Like the divine creator of everything you can see and things you can't see comes in and lives on the inside, makes his, his home with you. All right. I'm not sure. People are moving around, so I don't know if anybody lifted their hand or not. So pray with me this prayer anyway. Please, everyone lift your voices. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you, God, you raised him from the dead. Thank you, Jesus, you now live. Thank you that your word says, if I confess my sin and repent of it, You will wash me and you will make me clean. And I am a believer in Christ. I am born again in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm just going to do one more thing, one more thing, one more thing to respond to. Is I know there's believers in the room that do love the Lord, but still just you want passion, like the fire to be turned up. And um, give people privacy again, okay? So um, if, you, if, if that's you, if you just want that fire to be turned up, you're like, I have dealt with some unbelief or I have dealt with some self. I still, I still have some self stuff in me. Um, I'm just really going to ask you to lift your hand so I can see with everyone else not looking, right? All right. There's actually quite, quite a lot of hands, actually. So brave, brave people. So thank you, thank you. You can put your hand down, as I've seen a lot. I'm going to pray for all those people, Father. I just lift up. Oh, cry. I pray, God, I pray, God, that you would just pour out Holy Spirit so powerfully into people's hearts. Your word says, God, that Holy Spirit has come on the inside of us and fills our heart and fills us to the point of overflowing. So I pray everybody who's responded there and everybody who may have wanted to but didn't raise their hand, 
I pray, Father God, that you would overflow, like fill those people to overflow. Let it overflow. Baptize them again, again and again with fire and with power. God, pour out your Holy Spirit. Baptize them with love. Let love hit their heart again and again like waves pouring out over them and healing them and bringing to, uh, down any kind of believed wrong lies, any stronghold that does not exist in us, God. We yield that stuff over to you and ask you to come and pull out anything that doesn't belong, anything that shouldn't be in our lives. Jesus, we ask you to pull it out in Jesus' name. We want to be free and clear and pure vessels so that you can be poured into us, Holy Spirit, more and more and literally overflowing over the top of us because it's the overflow that is the real ministry in our lives, right? So Jesus, I pray that you really would fill hearts, fill hearts, fill hearts, turn up the passion in people's hearts. I pray people's love for you would burn brighter, burn brighter than it ever has, that we would be literally on fire for you, Jesus. Charles Spurgeon was said of him, and the area that he ministered in was called the Burnt Over District in the northeast of America here, because the Holy Spirit poured out, was poured out so powerfully through him. The Burnt Over District was the name given it to him because every single person's heart was turned on fire. Every single person. People walking down the street would be touched by the Holy Spirit and fall over on the street. Kids in classrooms would fall off their desks in school being touched by the Holy Spirit as they were just people who wanted the Lord, wanted Him with everything they had and were hungry. So I pray for hunger in hearts, God. I pray stir our hunger, stir our hunger and God help us stir up for our faith for more of you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I, I should apologise. I still I didn't go short. <laughs> I might not be able to. <laughs> um, um, I want to. I want to just say this before we go. We're starting. We're starting um, in a week a homeschool co-op. Please pray for us. Please pray. The Lord has stirred us to do it. There's about 12 of us now, 13 people who were involved in this co-op, adults. And um, we are responding to what the Holy Spirit's asked us all to do by just turning up and going, yeah, I'm in, I'm going to do it. I have some teenagers, so there's buy-in clearly from me because I'm a parent. But there's other people who, kids, their kids are gone. They're like, and they're turned up to teach like chemistry. I was like, thank you, Jesus, because I don't want to teach that one. <laughs> <laughs> can't so I wouldn't even try um, um, but if you if you please do this pray pray for this school pray it's a co-op so co-op pray for this it's called the Virginia Scholars Academy and we using that name because the Holy Spirit really gave it to me like 10 years ago and he goes go by the URL I was like okay um, um, I didn't know what for though right um, but we're going to we're going to um do this because we're responding to the Holy Spirit and doing what he's asking us to do. There is a generation of young people rising and, and even younger than the high school, uh, like he's graduated, but uh, there's, there's a generation of people through the, in the school system right now that really are going to rise and be the second great generation in America. Please understand that. The Holy Spirit told me that in 2013. In, in, in America, there's, our generation is rising called the second great generation. If you understand anything about the first generation, 
great generation, they rose up out of the ashes of war-torn world. World War I, World War II, and these people just got up and went, we know how to make it better. God anointed many of them in many, many areas, and so they came up with all kinds of new industries and new inventions, and this generation of people rising now are going to do the same. They're going to rise, and they're going to have come out with the most amazing technologies and things that are going to make life incredibly so much better than it is already today. So be praying for this generation. Pray for the Virginia scholars. Pray for the school system very generally across America. Our kids really need a lot of love, a lot of nurturing, a lot of discipling. And so it's brave people getting up in the middle of this, right, and saying, I'm, I'm in. Um, and with that, I'll also put this out there. If you can teach biology and can give two to four to six hours a week, biology, English, if you have those skills or other skills for teaching, we're just asking for two hours or four hours or six hours a week, come talk to me because we, 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 we would love um, the investment into this next generation. And something else, if you're a business owner, I'm going to put this out there. Think about ways that you can invest because we're going to be training up people that are going to be great workers, em people to employ, people with good work ethic. Please understand what we're doing here. We're raising the next generation of people who are going to be people that businesses want to employ because they turn up on time and really work hard in the workplace. People, young people worthy of employing, okay? No self-entitlement. Do you understand? There's much more on that, but anyway. Amen. Some are here hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like, amen, I've got to get out of here and get my lunch. <laughs> so, anyway, all right. Hey, take someone to lunch, okay? I'm going to pray. Jesus, I just pray great blessing over your people. I do just pray great, great blessing over your people. Even over the words spoken here today, the words sung to your heart. I pray great change and growth and maturity in our people. Discernment, Jesus, I pray for the Spirit of uh, the Holy Spirit to give us the gift of discernment in a very strong, powerful way. So we know we're smart, we're alert to the things that we need to be alert to and can do everything you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 